Hey, welcome to another Wednesday edition of our pastoral-led Bible study. Uh, thanks for taking time to be able to enjoy this journey with us as uh, we continue on in the book of Mark. It's uh, kind of winding down here, uh, just two more chapters to be able to go. Uh, today we face uh, come face to face with basically the last moments of Christ's life uh, leading up to that, so a very uh, somber and serious piece within this text and one that uh, also gives us great joy at the same time. And that's why it receives that title of being that Good Friday, uh, a good sacrifice that is made for people who are sinful, that we may enjoy eternal life with our Lord. Uh, so let's get right into it. Uh, Mark chapter 15, Jesus going before Pilate, verse 1. Very early in the morning, the chief priest with the elders, the teachers of the law, and the whole Sanhedrin reached a decision. They bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. The chief priests accused him of many things. So again, Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer? See how many things they are accusing you of. But Jesus still made no reply, and Pilate was amazed. Now it was the custom at the feast to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionist who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate, knowing it was out of envy that the chief priests handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews? Pilate asked them. Crucify him, they shouted. Why? What crime has he committed against Pilate? Or excuse me, committed, asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Wow, I mean, so... We've talked a lot about how, um, you know, the first dozen chapters of Mark cover three years. And here, as we get towards the end, a couple, three chapters cover one week, mm -hmm. National Week. And here we got one mm -hmm. chapter that essentially just covers a few hours. Yeah. And the more time and attention you see Scripture give to a subject, it, it's kind of a, hey, pay attention to this. It's an importance here, yeah. And one of the things that's just, it's just such a tragedy, uh, I mean, <laughs> of Shakespearean proportions. It's just how every, at every turn, uh, there's some deceit, there's some unfairness, injustice mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. going on mm -hmm. uh, to Jesus. And you see uh, right at the very beginning, in verse 1, very early in the morning, the chief priests uh, with the, elder, the Sanhedrin had reached this decision. Uh, now the Sanhedrin had gathered at night yeah. before to have the, you know, torches and pitchforks to go out and, but as it turns out, the law at the time, that's not an official meeting at night. They have to meet during the daylight. So as soon as the dawn broke, literally, like when you wake up in the morning, you can see you can't see the sun itself. You can see the sunlight. Yeah, yeah. they gather together to make the official ruling mm -hmm. uh, to move it forward. Uh, of course, they'd already arrested him. Um, you see Pilate trying to get out of it. I mean, trying to everything. So many can. times, 
so many times. I mean, he goes to Jesus and tries to get Jesus to stand up for himself on multiple occasions. And then as it continues, you know, he even seems to be asking, you know, the teachers of the law or the, uh, the Sanhedrin, you know, but then even goes to the crowd, you know, and multiple occasions, right? Well, who, do you want me to release this guy? Tries to get Jesus released. And then after he can't get Jesus released, at least, then he says, well, what should I do with him? Well, you know, if, he, if the people would have said, oh, release him too. Can you give us a two for this year? He probably would have been like, sure, right. yeah, let's do that. Right. But it just, it doesn't happen. Yeah, and I'm speculating, but I'm pretty sure about I'm right that typically this uh, annual mm, gift from the Romans to the Jews during the Passover, this releasing of a prison, mm -hmm. it's usually a political prisoner. Mm. You know, it, someone who not somebody who committed uh, horrendous crimes. Right. And right. nobody wants a violent criminal living in their neighborhood. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you know, you just see Pilate trying to work this. Yeah, uh, to get the crowd to come around. To letting Jesus go. It's like, no, well, you're not going to want this murderer here, obviously. Yeah. So you'll pick him and then uh, uh, to stay in prison, of course, and then we'll let Jesus go. But no, they, their hatred for Jesus was more than their fear of a murderer living yeah. amongst them. It's so interesting, too, that it's not, you know, just Pilate in the story, not just the religious leaders. The crowd plays such a role throughout so many of the recorded events in the book of Mark. Over and over again, we can see, and we've talked a little bit about, the Pharisees don't want to do something because because of the crowd. They don't want to do. They don't want to arrest Jesus. They don't want to kill him. They don't want to go after him because they're worried about their what they're going to look like. They're worried about what the crowd is going to do. And the same thing here. The the uh, Pilate's worried about what the crowd is going to do. He wants to be able to appease them as well as the Pharisees know that the way to win their case is to stir up the crowd to get the people on their side. And so it's so interesting to see the role that the people play and the strength that really is there for you know whatever they're going after on that day. And that really seems to change the tide of the direction of Christ here. Yeah, the mob uh, mentality, the, yeah. the momentum yeah. of... Uh getting lost in the whatever the frenzy yeah so more more uh, tragic things are ahead verse uh, 16 the soldiers led Jesus away into the palace that is the praetorium and called together the whole company of soldiers they put a purple robe on him then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him and they began to call out to him hail king of the Jews Again and again, they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And uh, when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. Now, this wasn't a, a terribly uncommon thing for uh, Roman soldiers to kind of have their fun. Think, mm. These are young men, teenagers, 20s. You think of uh, high schoolers or young military guys today. Mm. Uh, kind of get that, again, almost like a mob mentality. Kind of get that gang uh, mentality. And, or that, and there weren't any rules. Yeah. So it's not like habeas corpus. or. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was just uh, you had a prisoner who were basically a slave. Yeah, this negative hazing that's that's happening uh, there. 
uh, calling him names, you know, giving him little strikes here and there when he can't do anything, making that fictitious crown, you know, and being able to do that. Uh, unfortunately, the, the spitting and calling of names continues and putting the rope, the whole thing right around that, that theme of the king, right? The thing, yeah. thing of him being the king, yeah. Yeah, um, and I think that was maybe the one thing uh, back in verse 2 where uh, that was kind of the pilot, pilot's excuse, I think, uh, when Jesus kind of accepted that king title. Even though Jesus was clear, his kingdom was not of this world, Jesus had been clear about rendering to Caesar what Caesar's mm-hmm, this is not, mm-hmm. you know, the authority of governments and all that is good and right. Uh, but I think that that one truthful statement that Jesus made was uh, just enough for Pilate to, I don't know, I won't say feel comfortable, but uh, affirm the crowd's wishes yeah. and move forward. So. All right, so uh, unfortunately this horrible picture of the individuals mocking Jesus, they put their own clothes on him and uh, lead him to this, this place. Uh, here it is, the crucifixion, verse 21. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him, dividing up his clothes as they cast lots to see what each would get. It was the third hour when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. They crucified two robbers with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, Come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Christ, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross, that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, uh, since we know the whole story... And how it all ends. It's almost like this scene where I'm kind of like watching a movie or a play or something. I'm just cringing because I realize the actors uh, mocking and insulting. They don't have any idea mm. uh, that how they're speaking to and how they're treating God. Yeah. I mean, the son of God. Uh, uh, Simon of Cyrene. Uh, he was no doubt a, a pilgrim from North Africa, a city of North Africa, in town for the Passover, and uh, I, I would say an honor uh, that uh, he, well, he's remembered in the Gospels, remembered in history, as uh, doing this one act, uh, Jesus being so weak from uh, exhaustion, being flogged, being beaten, uh, couldn't carry the wooden beams uh, of the cross, and uh, uh, Simon uh, fulfilled the uh, good work, if you call it that. Such an interesting detail, too, right? It doesn't mm-hmm. that doesn't need to really be mentioned uh, in here. It even mentions his offspring, right? So it's mm-hmm. very particular. Uh, maybe 
some people maybe even knew who this individual was to be able to mention his offspring like mm -hmm. that, but it gives another piece, I think, of credence to the entire historical side of the story, right? Not just saying some, oh, yeah. some guy was there and this, this happened, you know? Right. Actually noting this and people being able to say, oh yeah, we know who that individual was or who the, their offspring were, you know, yeah. it provides this piece of evidence that's there. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. And then this horrendous place that they go, go to, you know, Golgotha, just the, the place of the skull, you know? Uh, it kind of gives you this word picture of what this uh, area was was like. Uh, the, they treat him, you know, just as a piece of trash almost, uh, dividing up his clothes, more humiliation that's there, right? Jesus is, mm -hmm. I think people don't always recognize it, you know, uh, hanging barely clothed at minimum uh, on the cross at this time. People just, you know, gambling over it. I think of your sermon from this past Sunday, uh, that concept of like treating God like a ATM, right? Of just being able, what can I get? You know, the Son of God is right there, but I see these guys casting lots. They're not casting lots, looking up, right? They're all just, they're all just looking down at stuff. You know, God's right there, and they just have their back turned on Him as they think, you know, what can I get from this individual right now? What's best for me, and have no care for Him. Apparently, in the other Gospels, we see that one article of clothing was of a little more value, I guess. They yeah. didn't want to tear it. They didn't want to break it up. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's even uh, another element of more uh, focused on scripture that's foretold, right? That oh, they're not yeah. going to be able to, you know, uh, break up his his garments. That they cast lots for his clothing, you know, and that's mm -hmm. something like you said. They don't even know what they're doing. They're actually fulfilling scripture that that comes to truth. Now, one uh, the wine mixed with myrrh. Mm. So I've. I've seen a lot of different thoughts on this, but I think what I've come to understand, at least where I'm at right now, is uh, that this, uh, of course, it's a very uh, poor man's wine. Oh, right? yeah. The soldiers would drink. But this uh, myrrh, what they would mix in there's like a, it's like an anesthetic or maybe even a sedative. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so if you notice, before the crucifixion, before he's literally nailed to the cross, they, they try to give it to him, and he refuses, and I understand that the soldiers would use that to sedate their uh, victim, their prisoners, uh, who would put up such a big fight and struggle. Mm -hmm. uh, but Jesus refused that before the crucifixion because he went willingly. He wasn't going to fight or struggle. He wanted his wits about him. Uh, this was his choice mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. for us. It was love. Mm -hmm. you know, love Jesus. Love he chose us. And then we get to the next section, you'll see while he's hanging on the cross, right before he dies, they offer it to him again and he does drink. And so at that point, his work is done yeah. and uh, it, it's okay you know, uh, to, to, to drink it from that point. And then I guess last, really the big point for this section is, you know, I don't know how much people know about crucifixion. Uh, I know we've probably add little bits and pieces from one Good Friday to the next, but then sure. again, not everybody comes to Good Friday church That's services, true. do they? That's true, yeah. Oh, did I say that out loud? I'm sorry. Uh, um, uh, don't come to Easter if you're not going to come to Good Friday. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Just don't even show up. Okay. Um, yeah, so if anybody has ever seen The Passion of the Christ, a uh, movie Mel Gibson, I guess, directed, produced. Yeah, yeah. Um, that is hard to watch. Yeah. It is so brutal 
gory would you say? yeah and i would even use the word realistic i think yeah to, uh, a point too you right. know uh, we you don't i don't think you see all the details just on words of a page all the time you know because mm -hmm. maybe we don't even know exactly what some of the things mean you know or what's happening there you know when you hear oh they flogged him okay you know it kind of jumps from one verse to yeah. the next but how many times christ was whipped uh, the fact that they're using these you know just primitive pieces of leather that they would put bone or different pieces of metallic elements and yeah. just to be able to Dig really to, yeah yeah just really it's not just you know this external thing that's happening it's actually you know remo removing internal pieces of of you you know exposing major pieces of you and you know whether it's that or being on the cross i don't think we always have been able to capture what that pain truly must be like and that movie does i think help people gain a sense of that you know and there's mm -hmm. a respect element that goes along with that then i think yeah absolutely it does uh, uh if if anybody could stomach it uh it would be an experience uh, to watch it if, if you haven't i would all add on top of that though so for all the just excruciating pain that jesus endured uh, which is the purpose of crucifixion the other purpose and, and in this culture especially where way more than our culture today uh, they were very much uh, oriented around uh, honor versus shame and mm. I don't want to go too far down that particular road but just to uh, understand if you go to the travel to the east the far east or the near east or the middle east uh, Africa, a lot of indigenous. Uh, there's just this honor yeah. culture. It's all about honoring mm -hmm. the other person. And so the dishonor of being crucified, you're naked. Uh, you're exposed for the whole world. Right on the road, people are walking by, yeah. going to the grocery store. Oh, look at that criminal. Uh, not buried in a tomb, generally just thrown in a mass grave. Mm -hmm. Um eaten by vultures and wild animals. I mean, it, as much as the gore is uh, shocking to us today, the shame would be as shocking to the people of that day. Mm -hmm. So it's it's the pain, the gore, and the shame yeah. of this. That It's just a all-encompassing, horrible experience. And you can see every how, they, level. how they try to include that in so many places, you know, even hanging the, <clears throat> the sign above his head, right? And then even at that crucifixion, you know, the, they're still making those insults. He saved himself, you know, come down from the cross and then will believe. Right. Uh, even, it says even the people that are getting crucified with him, they're saying things to him. Imagine that people that are also in the same bucket that are in pain at their, their last element are still heaping those insults. But right. you're right, lots of, lots of shame. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, verse 33. Uh, at the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. And so this is uh, noon to 3 p.m. Yeah. Which is the brightest part of the day. The sun is the brightest between most, noon and 3. Most right? wicked. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and what happens? Uh, darkness came over the whole land. And the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, 
Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Mm-hmm. You guys hear that, Eloi, Eloi. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One man ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a stick, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. Well, yeah, that's another note about crucifixion. Uh, eventually, uh, usually the people will die of asphyxiation. Yeah, I can't breathe at all. They can't stand up. Uh, their, their legs are tired. That's why they broke the legs of the other yeah, animals. Yeah, speed it up. So the fact that he cried out with a loud voice, right, a loud cry, says so he's still... Uh, is in control of the, the situation and thing. And in verse 38, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, not from bottom to top. And uh, when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus heard his cry and saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. Now, we've been saying it for a while, but remember all through the gospel of Mark, uh, the only things uh, declaring Jesus, calling him the Son of God, are, were the demons yeah. that he was casting out of people. Yeah. And here at the foot of the cross, the first uh, non-apostle, right, first human uh, standing there says, this is the Son of God. <clears throat> Some women were watching uh, from a distance. Uh, among them were Mary Magdalene. Mary, the mother of James, the younger, and of Joseph, and Salome. <clears throat> in Galilee, these women had followed him and cared for his needs. Many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. You already kind of mentioned Jesus crying out, you know, uh, those final those final words. And you see just that tough moment there in which, you know... Uh, Again, God watching his own son perish. God the son having this moment of, which seems like this separation from God of knowing that this death is, is right there on the doorstep. And, uh, you know, you see that willingness, I think, again, too. Like he said, Christ is in control, that, you know, he breathes his last. He's the one that is, is crying out. And then from there, we have this, amazing piece of physical um, representation for us, right, of that temple curtain being torn in two. It's so neat to see God work through so many different ways, right, over and over again. Today we talk about those physical elements of being present, you know, and of course baptism and the water and uh, communion with the bread and wine. And even here, you know, and being torn, you know, from top to bottom of God, you know, coming down to us and also God removing that that barrier uh, that existed between man and between God, and He does both of these things through His His Son. You know, it's a, it's so I think it's so neat to see God reach out to us and uh, teach us through the senses that He created us with. Right? Mm-hmm. You didn't have to do that. Like, there's no reason that it, that had to be done. But that's such a neat piece of uh, let me show you what's happening here. And people. 
not just today, people at that time would have really looked at that and that would have been super meaningful to individuals, you know? Yeah, that's a, such a good point. I was thinking how the, um, Jesus was a, alone at this point. All his disciples had abandoned him, yeah. run for the hills, mm-hmm. hiding in a locked room. Uh, and so there's no one there at the cross to explain what's going on. There's, there's no one there to testify to Jesus. But like you said, God testified. Yeah. Right? The sun turning to, I mean, the bright noonday sun, uh, all going dark. Darkness, obviously, something bad's happening. Yeah. The curtain being torn that separated the Holy of Holies uh, from the congregation. Yeah. Just everyday people. Rip that now. We have direct access to God the Father. And then the centurion who actually Mm -hmm. spoke the words, this is the Son of God, uh, right there. So... Uh, I don't know, there's so many connections there. Uh, but it, I just like those contrasts there where the disciples run away. God still gives those testimonies mm-hmm. to who Jesus is and what's happening. And and then I think back to also, you know, uh, Jesus uh, had told them uh, when people were praising him, the uh, Pharisees told him, tell them to stop praising him. He said, you know what, even if they stop, the rocks will cry out. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so here, I mean, <laughs> the sun cried out, the curtain yeah, that's a, I think you're right. It's not just this figure of speech that creation cries out for, for God and will continue to be able to do so. You see that there are some, I guess, witnesses. It's interesting. It talks about the women who are watching from a distance. It says very specifically, right? Uh, they kind of seeing what is happening there and, and following along with this story. It's interesting. It, it names quite a few. But then it also says many other uh, women who had come up uh, with him to Jerusalem were also there. And what a very special role. We see, I think, the strength of all these individuals who were there. Just watching that would be so hard. Um, they're also not hiding. They are maybe standing at a distance, but probably uh, very appropriate, especially for the women who were, who were there. But they're there also to be able to... Um, continue to support uh, both their following of, of Christ, but also it seems like for one another, you know, during this time, you know, uh, especially supporting these individuals that were so close to Jesus, all of us know what it's like, I think, to be able to lose a friend or a family member and how important it is to have people around us during those time and, and what a great job they do just being able to brave so many elements and standing there at the foot of that cross. Mm-hmm. So after these women uh, see this event, uh, we move to the, the burial of Jesus here. It says, It was preparation day, that is the day before the Sabbath. So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph uh, brought some linen cloth and took down the body, wrapped it in the linen, and placed it in the tomb cut out of the rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. So this preparation day that's... uh, taking place the day before the Sabbath. So, and, and when evening 
comes. That's the beginning of the new day in and the that's Jewish. What, that's like, super important. To, yeah. I, kids ask that, I think, a lot. But you know what? I think as we get older, uh, we yeah. forget as adults, too. We start counting. Totally Wait, how, how many days? Yeah. yeah. The days being counted is different. Yeah. Um, so Joseph had to do this before sunset because that was the beginning of the next day, the Sabbath day. There's kind of a rush that's happening here. Yeah. Yeah. They got to get things moving here. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, this is another uh, prophecy that's fulfilled. And, you know, Isaiah, well, many, many years, uh, 700 years earlier, uh, before these events, Isaiah 53, uh, verse 9, talking about the suffering servant. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Um, so. We see that he was actually, yeah, given the, the rich man's tomb, borrowed, never used uh, grave. Yeah, and Joseph of Arimathea, interestingly enough, you know, he's not one of the disciples, right? He's he's not uh, somebody who is just always noted as being this follower of Christ. It does talk about him being this one who's waiting on the kingdom of God. It also mentions that he's a member of the council, you know, and it shows how far and wide the reach of Christ was to be able to hit so many different people, no matter who they were, right? Didn't didn't matter about their uh, race, you know, when we talk about certain uh, creeds or beliefs of different people that normally would have been enemies. It didn't matter if they were rich or if they were poor. You know, uh, Christ really is this equal opportunity investor in all the people. And here's one that steps up, you know, and takes the things that he has and serves his Lord with that. You know, just fair Matthias doesn't have to do that. He's waiting on the kingdom of God. This probably was his tomb or his family's tomb right. that, you know, was set aside for a very specific purpose. But in this moment, you know, he gives this over. And imagine what that must have looked like for him, right? You were just talking about respect mm-hmm. and talking about, like, status and how important that was. So now what happens to this individual who's on the council when everybody is going to find out instantly that he has given his tomb over to this individual. Like, you know, what happens to them now and the way that people in the community look at this individual? It wouldn't have been something I would assume that people are like, oh, yeah, good for you. Or, you know, <laughs> they would have really looked down upon him for that. I mean, probably enough to where he could have even lost a lot, you know, his, his status or his position on the council. So many different yeah, customers, things. whatever mm-hmm. his business was. Yep. It was a very uh, yeah, uh, all-inclusive uh, deal there. As I look at chapter well, 14 and 15, we look at the passion, the crucifixion, and, and the burial. Um, I can't help but think how hard it is to get across to peop- everybody, really. Uh, out, I'm thinking outside the church, but even many Christians. Uh, how serious sin is. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I guess if you're not a believer, uh, you may not even believe that sin exists, that there's even such a thing. Um, certainly uh, any kind of accountability to God, a God. Mm-hmm. And then even in the church, uh, you know, Christians all over the spectrum, what they believe, how they practice, uh, but, you know, there are some that, you know, uh, it's almost like God's grace overwhelms sin to the point where 
it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you do. God loves you. It doesn't matter what you do. Uh, like to the extreme of, of having no accountability still. We take it for granted, I think, right? Um, we do that probably. I'm, I don't have a good illustration to be able to compare it to. Uh, maybe it's just like anything, something simple that's so important for us, but we don't think about it until we need it, right? Yeah. Uh, oxygen. You know, when, when, I go, when I go to bed at night, I don't hit my pillow and think, oh man, I hope I got my breathing down tonight, <laughs> you know, or I don't step out of the car and think, oh, I hope that air level is going to be, is going to be fine, you know, there's going to be enough for me here and there. And I, I don't think about it at any time when I'm eating, when I'm talking, no matter what I'm doing. But, uh, you know, I dive down to the bottom of a friend's pool or something for a little while. I know I can only stay down there for, for so long. Or, you know, you're around uh, a fire that's nearby mm -hmm. and your lungs just take in a little bit of that air that's been slightly tainted with smoke, not even yeah. right in it. And all of a sudden you recognize <laughs> it. Yeah. And so I think maybe sometimes our sin becomes like that, uh, you know, that it's just, it really is a part of who we are, unfortunately, and it's around us in so many different ways. I think sometimes people just end up living in it, you know, and maybe we do the same thing on the other side of the coin with God's grace. We enjoy it so much that we don't think about it until it comes to a point where we really need it or it comes to a head and then maybe we're drawn drawn back to it. But it's so important for us, as you mentioned for your original point, of knowing the seriousness of, of sin. Uh, but often we just, I think we forget to recognize that. We get too busy and caught up in other things. And to be completely honest, I think Satan uses that as a tool to be able to come after us, whether it's us being idle in our faith or just not thinking about it because then you know the work's being done right there right if, you, if you're just living in the sin or focused on that then you are not focused on the lord and it's easy to be able to to do and to forget again this major price that was paid for us right yeah oh yeah it's well said i mean if if sin wasn't a big deal why did jesus have to die yeah but of course it's it's a it's a huge deal it's a you know, huge we need deal. to take it not that, not that our being zealous and pious and all these good works are are going to save us. But at the same time, we can't be just flippant and no. you know, like oh, it doesn't matter what we do, we do whatever we want. Um, there's got to be a middle position there yeah. where, where we strive to do well, live holy lives, but recognize that we're always forgiven uh, when, we, when we do sin. Yeah. All right. Well, there we are. Uh, it's Mark chapter 15. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Pastor Jeremy. Yeah. Good study. Uh, close with a quick prayer. Uh, well, dear Lord Jesus Christ, uh, we thank you for showing us how much uh, you love us. Um, uh, please always uh, forgive us for our sins. Uh, we are sinful by nature and uh, just bubbles up from within us so it's a it's a constant struggle uh, for us to keep that side of us at bay but we pray uh, that your blood washes away all our sins and uh, your holy spirit strengthens us uh, to live according to your will and even delight in following your laws uh, for us 
to love you and to to love our neighbors. We pray for everyone uh, listening and watching today, wherever they are. I uh, pray that uh, they know that it doesn't matter where they are, what they've done in their lives, um, what they think or, or even believe, uh, but you love them and you died for them. Uh, and you are, uh, you see them as, uh, as precious children, uh, always welcome home. Uh, we extend that invitation uh, to everyone uh, to put their trust in Jesus, to renew their trust in Jesus today. Uh, for these things, Lord Jesus Christ, uh, we give you thanks and praise eternally. Amen. Amen. Be well. See you next time. See ya.